Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. It's Friday the 16th of July and in today's briefing we're going to take you inside Ash Barty's head. She had that massive wonderful win at Wimbledon over the weekend. We're going to interview her mindset coach Ben Crow. She put these dreams and goals out into the universe and she dedicated her Wimbledon to Yvonne Corley and that actually elevates our performance more so than create this pressure or expectation. Yeah, Ben Crow also has some great advice for us mere mortals uh, who might get something out of it. A great way to win the morning and win the day is as soon as you get out of bed, write a to-be list before you write a to-do list. That is Ash Barty's mindset coach, um, Ben Crow, with some really interesting advice that helps you understand where she was at on the weekend and I guess how we can all live better lives. And um, before we get into the headlines, Jan, um, there's a little briefing quiz happening on Instagram. Yeah, I love a good quiz. We're doing a Friday afternoon quiz, like we said, on the briefing Instagram. Make sure you check it out. And these headlines, they're laced with clues. Victorians are waking up to their fifth COVID lockdown. These cases started in New South Wales, but I'm determined that they'll end here because we will put this out with the help of every single Victorian. So that was Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews speaking there last night after announcing the five-day lockdown for the whole state. Now, they had four new local COVID cases yesterday. That brings the total number of cases in the current outbreak to 18. The MCGs emerging as one of the main venues of concern uh, with three cases of yesterday's numbers linked back to that game attended by a man who was linked to those Sydney removalists. And it's come out that there was also a case that attended the Wallabies game on Tuesday night at Amy Park. Yeah, I've heard a couple of epidemiologists mention this particular case because it's one of the first cases where we've seen outside transmission like this. So they're keeping a very close eye on it. Um, under the lockdown rules, Victorians can leave home for five reasons, including work, exercise and to get vaccinated. They are limited, though, to a five kilometre radius of their home. And the federal government and the Victorian government have agreed to financial support for Victorians during the lockdown, similar to the $600 a week payment for full-time workers in New South Wales. Now, the federal government previously said that it would only step in and support the states when lockdowns lasted at least a week. This one in Victoria, as far as we know, is intending to last only five days. So there has been a slight shift there from the federal government. I think Scott Morrison, he's no fan of lockdowns. I don't know anyone who is, but I think he's conceding somewhat that these lockdowns are going to continue to be part of Australian life, at least until we get a significant proportion of our population vaccinated. And right now we're just sitting at 10%. Yeah. And he's going to take this model to national cabinet and basically try and make this a template that can be rolled out across all states if they have lockdowns like we're seeing in New South Wales and Victoria. And floods have killed almost 50 people in Western Europe. Western Germany has been the hardest hit with 43 people killed there. And there's been flooding in Belgium, France and the Netherlands as well. Here's German Chancellor Angela Merkel. My thoughts in these hours are with the people back home and I would like to send my solidarity to them and to offer them my deepest condolences. Yeah, in Belgium, they've had six deaths and uh, there are curfews to try and stop looting. And Britney Spears has won the right to choose her own lawyer as she continues her fight against 
her conservatorship. Yeah, fans outside the court in Los Angeles cheered after the judge granted Spears the right to hire former federal prosecutor Matthew Rosengard. Now, she has welcomed the decision and again she's asked the court for her father to be removed from the conservatorship arrangement. She broke down in tears. She was giving phone testimony at the Los Angeles Superior Court where she said, I have to get rid of my dad and charge him with conservatorship abuse. She was quite emotional um, speaking down the line to the judge there. It's the second time that she's done that. You'll remember, Tom, three weeks ago she gave sort of Mm. explosive testimony about how the conservatorship was affecting her life. Um, And this seems like a step in the right direction for Brittany, for sure. And some of Australia's Olympic swimming stars are doing something pretty unusual. Um, They're wearing these special sauna suits to try and prepare for Tokyo's humid conditions. Yeah, these suits are so weird. They sort of look like a cross between a mattress Mm. and the bags that dunas come in. It's like they're in a big square Duna. Mac Horton was among the people who uses these sauna suits, I guess. Um, he shared a photo by the team of swimmers because they're currently in Cairns. They're finalising their Olympic preparations there, partly because I guess the weather is similar to what a summer in Tokyo is going to feel like, where temperatures are probably going to get into their mid-30s relatively regularly and you're going to cop some high humidity as well. All right, right after this message, Ash Barty's Mindset Coach. Wimbledon champion. What a beautiful moment. Wasn't that the moment we all needed on Saturday night when we were in this like grim lockdown vibe and then this humble lovable girl from Ipswich steps up. Yes, takes out the Wimbledon's women's final 40 years after her mentor and fellow Australian Yvonne Goolagong-Cawley last won in 1980. I think lots of us shed a tear when she spoke after the match. There's just something very special and pure about Ash Barty. Um, One of the great things that she does when she speaks is always talks about us, we, the team. This is just an incredible uh, achievement for all of us. Um, I'm so proud of of my whole team uh, and I can't wait to be with them soon. And one of the members of her team is actually a guy who also works with Dylan Olcott, who also won Wimbledon in the quad singles. To my family back home and my team, Brenda, Georgie, Mark, Ben Crow, I love you, Crowey. I love you, Crowey. Crowey there is Ben Crow. That is his and Ash's mindset coach. Great shout out to get. Ben Crow works with senior players in the Australian cricket team. He's worked with Steph Gilmore in surfing. Um, He's also worked at Nike with their elite athletes. And as you are about to find out, he's got a pretty interesting philosophy. Ben, thanks for joining us. When did you start working with Ash Barty? And what were you both focusing on to start with? Uh, We started working together about three years ago at Wimbledon 2018. Uh, Ash had a bit of a setback and was aware of the work that I'd been doing with uh, Richmond Football Club the year before, which had a happy ending. And yeah, we've been working together ever since. The work that we um, we started working on is um, first and foremost, just kind of working out who she is. There's kind of two questions that any, any of us have to answer. The first one is, who am I? Like really, who am I? And separate the person from the persona, if you like, in the tennis player and really um, determine that self-worth independent to whether you win or lose a game of tennis. And kind of celebrate your imperfections and, and find that unconditional self-worth. And then when you can get to that place and kind of own your story, 
then you can go after the second question, which is what do I want? You know, what do I want as an athlete, but also as a human being? So how did you do that with Ash? Where was she at and how far did she have to go in terms of working out who she was and, and which parts of her story she needed to own? We're really good at saying what we're not and we're really bad at saying what we are. For Ash or for any of us, really, it's really letting go or reframing or accepting or forgiving these nuances of our lives and letting go of that, I guess, that not enoughness stories that we all have, you know, that not good enough or smart enough or successful enough or whatever it is, and create a more positive affirmation-based version of our life story, I guess, written by our inner fan, not our inner critic. And then we can celebrate your imperfections and find that unconditional self-worth, as Ash did, then you can let go of, I guess, so much baggage and still work on what you want to achieve as an athlete um, and set these goals and dreams out in the universe, but not put any uh, expectations or, you know, promises or guarantees that they'll actually happen. And, and that's okay. And um, when you can get into that place, it's quite liberating and, and quite exciting as well. Ben, Ash was up against some serious pressure. She'd withdrawn from the French Open. She was injured. Um, She was also playing during COVID, so dealing with the isolation that comes with that. She had this sort of huge weight on her shoulders of wanting to live up to the expectations of her mentor and idol, Yvonne Goolagong-Cawley. So how challenging do you reckon it was for her to kind of come out limping from one Grand Slam and go straight into winning another? Well, first and foremost, you have a miracle worker as a physio <laughs> and Mel, her, her physio, who's also a beautiful human being, has just done the most extraordinary work with Ash. Once she was able to accept that was going to be a different road into Wimbledon and she wasn't going to play all the leading tournaments that she normally plays, as soon as she could accept that and just find a different way, she could actually adapt to her credit while she might have started a bit rusty her body and her skill set and her mindset just gradually got stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, and to your point with distractions or expectations and so forth, she, she put these dreams and goals out into the universe and she dedicated her Wimbledon to Yvonne Corley. And that actually elevates our performance more so than create this pressure or expectation. And that's really the two, I guess, killers of performance. Um, all anyone really is expectations of outcome, which you can't control, and expectations of others, which you also can't control. And, and focusing on these things we can't control, but wanting to control them is the definition of anxiety, yeah, or stress or mm. pressure or worry. So it's really important for athletes or any of us to accept all these distractions and let them go and focus back on the things we can control. In a way, these ideas you're putting forward are, are things we hear all the time and they're kind of simple about loving yourself and accepting yourself. But I imagine in this elite athletic realm, there's so many things working against that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, the three biggest storytellers on the planet that are sabotaging our ability to own our own story is the media industry or news media, the social media industry and the advertising industry. One's predicated on negativity, one's predicated on FOPO, fear of other people's opinions, and one's predicated on shame, advertising industry, you know, because you're not enough until you buy that car or that handbag or that watch. And once you can let go of all that outside noise trying to tell you who you are and own your own story, you've got the courage to fall down and get up again, the courage to go after your dreams, and you've even got the courage to be disliked. You know, you don't want to be disliked, but you've got the courage to be disliked. And you can effectively say, I don't care what anyone thinks about me, but I care about them. 
But when you can separate that and actually don't care what they think about you and focus more on what you think about yourself, you can let go of that noise and you can focus more on being a good human being first and a great athlete second. And I think that's the goal because as a human being, you can control what kind of human you want to be today. Mm. It's kind of effectively to start the day, you write a to-be list before you write a to-do list. It doesn't stop oh, you going up. A to-be list. That's the first time <laughs> I've ever heard of a to-be list. But don't you have to do things to be something? No, 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 no. That's the biggest misnomer oh. on the planet right now. If you have to do something or achieve something in order to be someone, you'll never be fulfilled. Mm. You'll never be content. You'll never be at peace. You'll never feel like you're enough. And you certainly won't have unconditional love because it's conditional upon mm. having to do something or achieve something. Ben, you, you mentioned the to-be list. Can you just tell us what is actually involved in a to-be list? What are you writing down when you write that list? Yeah, a great way to win the morning and win the day is as soon as you get out of bed, write a to-be list before you write a to-do list. Mm. Because whatever words you write down, whether it's kind and caring, whether it's courageous and confident or playful or mischievous or adventurous, you can be that person, right? You don't need anything external. You don't need money. You don't need outside influence. And you can control that person 100%. If you could combine the human you want to be with the things you love to do, you then write a to-do list, right? But the to-do list isn't a substitute for what kind of human you want to be because we're really good at saying what we're not and really bad at saying what we are. You then go after those goals and dreams and things you want to do that day. And that's when you can create this separation between the person and the persona and your self-worth from, you know, whatever you have to do or achieve that day. Ben, you work with two amazing athletes. We mentioned Dylan Olcott as well before as Ash Barty. But what about athletes who have stories that aren't so lovable? Like Djokovic, he's a stone-cold killer, you know, that people don't really like him. You know, what about Yelena Dokic, for example, who had a really uncomfortable story where her dad was abusive and everyone kind of seemed to know about it but didn't do anything? Like, how would you have worked with her during her career? Because she's only been able to own that afterwards. Mm. Yeah, you've got to um, lean in, unfortunately, to the risk and the uncertainty, the emotional exposure to make sense of your story. And no one can do any, any of this on their own as well. In fact, no one can do anything in the world on their own. We all need people around us that love us unconditionally and can support us on our way. All courage to Yelena and Ash and other athletes, Dylan Orcott in particular, because we all get distracted along the way. But if you can lean in, which is what you mentioned about being open, being vulnerable um, and having the courage to make sense of who you are and from that place have the courage to then put these goals and dreams out in the universe but also identify your purpose. And Dylan and Ash have done an amazing job of working out their why, not so much the what and the how, but are you just here to show up and make money and win some games of tennis or fundamentally you stand for something, you believe in something, it's something that locks you up. You know, there's a legacy you want to leave the planet. And at your funeral, this is what will be celebrated about you, independent to what you achieve, if you like, in a professional sense. And Dylan's purpose and his work around giving people opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't get. And as Ash said, if she can inspire one little girl or one little boy to follow their dreams and be comfortable in their own skin, then that's success for them. But what really lights them up is why they do it. I mean, Dylan and Ash are, you know, these big success stories. Have you ever worked with anyone who just was not picking up what you were putting down? Yeah, you've got to be open to it. It's shit scary because you've got to lean in. And most of us don't want to do that. Those two questions that we have to answer, who am I and what do I want? 
because you can't work out what you want until you work out who you are. But most of us don't want to do that because we're shit scared what we might find. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not loved enough. So we put that mask on for self-preservation mm. purposes and we go external rather than internal. My life story is not my life. It's just my story and I'm the author of it. And once you realize we are the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves, the good news is you've got the power to dream the ending, right, to imagine the ending because we've all got imagination when we're one of the only species on the planet that does. But you've also got the power to reframe and let go of these, I guess, these negative experiences. But unfortunately, most of us see vulnerability as a weakness, so we're quite closed and closed-minded and defensive and, and on the back foot as opposed to leaning in, but also having that self-compassion, right, and self-acceptance and self-love, which is probably, in my opinion, the number one issue on the planet right now. We're just so hard on ourselves as a human race. Where did you come up with all this stuff, Ben? (laughs) (laughs) These principles we're talking about are two and a half thousand years old, whether it's, you know, Stoicism philosophy Mm. or Buddhism. Um, And to be frank, any good teacher or preacher or parent is conveying these same principles, maybe packaged up in different costumes. They're just not that easy. Mm. And hypothesis is we're just so distracted today as a human race, either extrinsically motivated, thinking that will make us happy, or craving recognition of others, thinking that will make us happy. And we've lost that perspective in terms of, as I mentioned, to how we are a good human being first, and then a great athlete or a great professional second own your story, work out your purpose from a connection point of view, and then make sure you can let go of all the distractions that typically sabotage the rest of us. Ben Crow, a mindset coach of Ash Barty, Dylan Olcott, and a bunch of other sports people. What'd you make of that, Chan? I'm still stuck on the to-be list. Well, that's the thing that I think can apply to all of us. Yeah. And now I'm going to go home and think long and hard about who am I and what do I want? Well, you then do a to do list after the to be list? Yes. Okay. Yes. So to be list, thinking long and hard to do list. But not let the to do list define the to be list, which is why you do it first. Look, I'm pretty sure I can become a Wimbledon champion. <laughs> In squash. <laughs> All right, that's it for the Monday to Friday briefing, but the weekend briefing is going to be in your feed tomorrow morning. Uh, Jamila, who have you got on? Thanks, Tom. This weekend, I have actually chatted with my old boss, Kate Ellis, who was, of course, a minister in the Rudd and Gillard governments. And she was actually the youngest woman ever to sit in the House of Representatives. She was pre-selected at 26 and elected to the nation's parliament at 27. She has now written a book called Sex, Lies and Question Time, where she unearths the shocking reality of what life is actually like in Parliament House. Kate Ellis on the weekend briefing with Jamila. Thanks, Jamila. Um, Hope you have a great weekend. Thank you so much uh, for listening to the briefing. Please recommend it to your friends. If you're enjoying it, always love to grow the audience. Uh, We'll talk to you Monday. Listener.